1: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. It's about midnight here uh, Central Time. We're back from Rosenblatt Stadium as we record this one, and a kind of a very strange ending to the fourth day of the Cowboys Series, with a game suspended after five innings, with Clemson leading Oklahoma six to one. So one bracket has played both; all four teams have played two games. Another bracket. Two teams have played two games, and two teams are playing again. Just uh, Oklahoma's had both its <laughs> games interrupted by rain, and Clemson, of course, had an entire game washed out and pushed back a day by rain. So, Aaron, in one bracket we have things going really kind of according to plan as far as one team sees in control, that team being UCLA. But the other bracket's completely scrambled. Let's focus on the one where we have some some clarity and the Florida, Florida State, uh, uh, UCLA, TCU bracket. First off, UCLA, obviously the story so far, the Bruins pitching. We knew the Bruins had tremendous pitching, but Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer combining for 24 strikeouts in their 15 innings of work as starting pitchers. That's really an open and shut case for the Bruins, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, they, they've been the best team here. Uh, they've simply dominated on the mound. Um, but, you know, we knew they were capable of dominating on the mound. We didn't know... Which Bauer and Cole would show up? Frankly, because even last week, um, you know, they won that super regional, but it wasn't because Bauer and Cole went to Fullerton and shut those guys down. Right? And those mm-hmm. guys, those guys were hittable, and they gave up some runs. Um, they were much better this week in Omaha. Twenty-four, and
1: 24 strikeouts <laughs> in fifteen innings. Just saying that out loud sounds impressive.
0: It's very, very impressive. I mean, uh, what, what what Garrett Cole did. I mean, I, you know, I thought what Trevor Bauer did was just outstanding, and I, and I didn't think anyone was really going to top that.
1: And, and you're talking about the long toss before the game, not the even long what he did t- in the t- game. That's right. What he did in the game was even more impressive, which was hard to do, for me anyway. Yeah. And he did
0: it anyway. But, but, I mean, Cole just shut down, I think, a more, a more dangerous offensive team in TCU. No doubt. Um, and, and uh, you know, the composure that he showed after TCU fought back um, in that, that uh, seventh inning. Right. Um, you know, that was just very impressive to me. That was a question people have always had about Cole. Yeah. Is, is the makeup, the composure, you know. Mound demeanor. Mound demeanor. And, boy, he really impressed in that regard. He's really grown up a lot, you can tell.
1: He really has. He didn't just he didn't just pitch okay after giving up those runs. He was outstanding. He was tough. He made the difference in the game yeah. by himself. And UCLA also has scored some runs. They put up double digits right. on Florida. Uh, they did it to a Florida pitcher, Alex this who clearly wasn't at his best for whatever reason. He gave a no comment in the post game, but at least he showed up. We'll get to Arizona State later, but Pantaleos had shoved it against Miami in the Super Regional there, and, and uh, UCLA without Tyler on the tool that was a big question. Could UCLA score without their best, you know, their, their three hole hitter? Um, and it's affected them a little bit on defense. They've had a couple of awkward plays. Their lineup's been good, and then against TCU, Kyle Winkler very effective. Right. You know, you could not ask for more than what he did against Texas, uh, winning at Dish Falk to win a. Super regional final, but uh, the deciding game. But you know, a couple of home runs for UCLA off Kyle Winkler. How can either TCU or Florida State beat uh, Rob Rasmussen, Bauer, Cole, Claypool, Klein, Goodell, Grace? Is UCLA impregnable on that side of the bracket right now?
0: They're 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 certainly in the catbird seat. And and you know, Great for, catbird reference. You, you talked about UCLA's yeah. offense and. The thing that struck me watching them, the, these these first two games, is how much they remind me of Texas last year. Yeah, good point. I mean, point. Texas had anemic numbers last year heading into the World Series. Scoring-wise, they were in the, you know, two, 200 somewhere in the country. They were, you, yeah, you're right. They were well behind every other team in Omaha last year coming in, uh, power-wise especially, and, and they had a power surge. UCLA, power numbers were, you know, again, lagging it's coming lagged. in here. Yeah. They had nobody with double-digit home runs coming into this thing, and, you know, they'd they, hit, the, they had, hit their
1: home run leader. One of their <laughs> two guys with eight home runs, they hit nine holes, Steve Rodriguez. Right. I mean, he tied for the lead in home runs, and he's, he's their nine-hole hitter, and he's been good wow. out here offensively.
0: Right, and, and, you know, the long ball was a part of their attack against TCU. They got one from Jeff Jelilich. They got a big one from Cody Regis. Uh, you know, they were just one of those teams that you can tell is playing better now than offensively than they were for most of the season, and they're taking advantage of the dimensions and, and the way this park plays It's an offensive park. Yeah. Um, yep. I just think they're playing well in all facets, and like you said, their pitching is set-up. I mean, they're, they're set-up right now to win the national title, because yeah. Rasmussen on tons of rest is going to have an advantage over whoever, whichever team comes out of the loser's bracket, and then you've got Cole and Bauer on full rest set-up for the championship series, and then Rasmussen if you need again, so it's, they're in great shape.
1: And Claypool and Klein, Exactly. And I mean, you they, mentioned... their, depth is, their depth is incredible. And here's the scary part. Most teams, Aaron, don't have, they, they, especially teams that have UCLA's caliber of pitching, and we saw this up close and personal for four years with North Carolina getting to Omaha. Most teams with that caliber of pitching, especially power arms like UCLA has, get to Omaha, and their lineups are thin. They don't have depth in the lineup. UCLA does not have a great lineup. But they are playing without Cody Kiefer, one of their main corner outfielders, an yeah. offensive guy. Yeah. And they're playing without Ramatula. And yet their offense still looks good out here. That tells you about their recruiting. That tells you about their depth. tells you a little bit, as, as John Savage never hesitates to do. He credits Rick Vanderhoek as assistant coach, who they picked up from Fullerton uh, to be there to run their offense. And it's been a sea change, and you talked about it several times, about how you saw Coach Vanderhoek last year when UCLA came to Greenville, North Carolina, and he was frustrated with the team just not grasping it, maybe the addition of Bo Amaral and an extra year were the things that it really took for UCLA to yeah. grasp that offense, because Bo Amaral is exciting. Nico Gallego, those two guys make them go at the top of the lineup.
0: Yeah, Gallego's matured, and Ramatula matured this year. Uh, you know, Those are guys that I think really bought into the Vanderhoek system in year two, but then you got those those freshmen that Vanderhoek brought in, You know, guys like Amaral and, and um, you know Kiefer and, and, yeah. and Cody Regis Gelish. and DnS and jealous. I mean that whole group is a really good group. They're just his his kind of players, and they're just hard nosed, athletic guys who uh, you know just just make things happen. And
1: yeah, they don't give away a ton of bad. So obviously we're impressed with the UCLA. It's hard not to be. That said, that said, that said TCU, TCU also was impressive in defeat. They were very impressive in defeat.
0: TCU is the team that could still be a factor here. I don't think Florida State is. I just don't think they have enough pitching.
1: I think Florida State beating Florida was a pretty significant accomplishment. Just for Florida State to not come out here and go to and barbecue, to give Seminole Nation a gift of sending the Gators home. (laughs) Which, you know, Mike Martin did not admit, but I just thought (laughs) I had to break out my Mike Martin because... You know, that was a big win for them. Tyler Holt, it was a big win for Tyler Holt, Gainesville High graduate. Absolutely. Playing for the Seminoles for three years and to make the Gators wear it. they four 4-1 this year against the Gators. It's a pretty good year for Florida State. Yeah. I do think Florida State's offense is dangerous enough that if Stephen Maxwell doesn't bring his A game, the TCU could be in trouble. TCU, I think, expended a lot of energy in that loss against Garrett Cole. But that said, TCU looks yeah. like the better team than Florida State.
0: Yeah, and, and the point that Jim Schlossnagel has made a couple of times that I think is important is that, you know, in the Super Regional and in the Regional, where where TCU only had to play three games, uh, that didn't showcase one of the biggest strengths of this TCU team, and that is its pitching depth.
1: That was a great point he made in the <laughs> presser the other day, no doubt. And,
0: and you know, that's going to be on display here if TCU is going to uh, make a run through this you know, this loser's bracket. I mean, they've got lots of pitching. Maxwell is a, is a really good number three who would be a number one for Florida State. Yeah, he would. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and if that doesn't work out, they haven't even used Tyler Lockwood yet. Their senior righty is their closer slash long man. Um, He's you know, been their
1: Friday guy in the past.
0: Yeah, in, in past years he has been. And, um, and they've got Greg Holly, and they've got Eric Marshall, and Eric Miller, and Caleb Burr. I mean, they've got lots of arms back there. I just think that they're well positioned still. And they could still give... UCLA some trouble because I still think TCU's a very complete team and I think they're still dangerous. But that said, UCLA's in the Catbird seed and, and I think that they're gonna probably advance.
1: It does seem like the one other thing is that uh, Rasmus is not a great matchup for TCU, right. which is a very right handed lineup. So he may have to go Bauer again, but I think that's the key. I think John Savage deserves credit, and we haven't even written this. I think he took a page out of the book of Mike Gillespie, who never would start who often in the six team old six team regionals would save his number one starter for the third game. Here, he knew he had two aces. He gambled and bet that Trevor Bauer could beat a very good Florida team, which he did. Then he had Cole for the better team, which is TCU. And also that sets up that if there's a rematch with TCU, TCU doesn't see the same pitcher twice. They see Bauer, who's very different from Cole. It's a great Physically, point. repertoire-wise, a lot of other ways. It's the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Uh, we're going to talk about the other bracket. The other bracket is crazy. It's been ruined by weather, as has my last night here in the in Omaha and in Rosenblatt Stadium. But, Aaron, uh, first off, this bracket, we have to start by talking about Arizona State. TFCO, thanks for coming out. Sun Devils, the national number one seed. Had not, really, again, all year, with the exception of the beginning of the year when, when UCLA also was starting at 22-0, and, and they were in this discussion for almost the whole year, it was Texas, Virginia, Arizona State. Yeah. And none of them will win the national title. Texas and Virginia didn't even get here. Arizona State gets here. But then, wow, I mean, on national TV, they just laid a couple of eggs and uh, didn't seem to wear it well either. Just was, If you weren't named Torres, you didn't represent well for Arizona State this weekend. It's a, a really shocking performance by Arizona State. Do you have any explanation for it?
0: Uh, no, I don't. I mean, they, they just... they Clearly weren't the same team that they were for the first sixty two games this year. Um you don't go fifty two and nine. Fifty two and eight coming into the World Series. Unreal and fifty two and eight. You know, they hadn't lost back to back games all year. and not only did they lose both these games, but they, they were pretty much dominated in both of them. I mean they, they were you know, dominated. Clemson had control that first game from start to finish. From
1: start to finish that game. It was it got <laughs> sorta hairy, but it was Clemson's game. They were in control, like you said, from the first pitch, basically. And
0: South Carolina took over in the second inning in, in that game and scored eight runs and knocked Merrill Kelly around. And I think you and I both thought that Tim Esme mismanaged that inning for Arizona State. I mean, I don't know how you can Indeed. possibly leave Merrill Kelly out there just get hammered. He uh, gave up all eight of those runs. So, I, mean, I mean, how can
1: you not have – you really can't. It's inexcusable. I mean, hey, look, I've never managed a game. But it's inexcusable for me to have an Only yeah. Nation game – and a couple batters away, you have the nine-hole hitter, Scott Wingo, hit a double to left field. That makes it 3 nothing, right? Or would that make it 2 nothing? That was Wingo. Made it 2 nothing. I made it 2 nothing. So three batters later, you've got Jackie Bradley Jr., clearly South Carolina's best hitter, clearly getting into the swing. He's far removed from the Hammond injury now. This guy could be a first-round pick next year, probably will be in a loaded draft. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is coming up in three batters, and you don't get a lefty up? In an elimination game, when you've got Mitchell Lampson, who's only one of the best left-handers in the country, yeah. how do you not get that guy warm? And they didn't have anybody warm for Jackie Bradley Jr., and they couldn't get anybody warm in time, even for Morales. Right. It was That was embarrassing, really, for Arizona State. They just looked shell-shocked, and they frankly just looked unprepared for Omaha. Yeah. Again, only the Torres brothers play with with intensity. Johnny Rudiger misplayed a ball in left field that inning. Then he overthrew the cutoff man, which cost them a base. They made all kinds of little mistakes. They made big mistakes. Drew Maggi losing a ball in the lights the other night. I mean, Devin Marrero looked good. He had three hits today, I believe it was, in the right. second game. The freshman, but And when you
0: say lights, he lost the ball in the sun in the oh, morning. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's
1: it. He lost the ball in the morning. He just lost the fly ball. He just whiffed on it. I mean, it. I, I thought it was an embarrassing performance by Arizona State. And, I mean, uh, embarrassing. And, and I said they didn't handle it well. Maybe this is just too much of me being a media person talking, but I thought it was weak that in neither game did they bring their starting pitcher to the postgame yeah. when both their starting pitchers, Merrill Kelly and Seth Blair, performed extremely poorly, and both of them put their team behind the eight ball. Yeah. The, game,
0: even, the game in, in both cases was basically decided, well, those two guys were on the mound. Those two right. guys need to be able right. to answer questions about it.
1: And, you know, and maybe one of them, maybe not. First game, Seth Blair, maybe I'll give you a pass. Doing it twice talks about, to me, the program. It was They did not represent themselves well at all this weekend. That's not what I think of when I think of Arizona State baseball, but actually maybe it is. Maybe a lack of accountability is what I think of when I think of Arizona State baseball. 52-10, and 10, tremendous year. They overcame so much with the loss of Spence, the firing Pat Murphy, all that stuff. I mean, it is a tremendous year. They have so much they should be proud of, but what a sour taste they leave in our mouths here in Omaha. Pretty bad. It's like a, it's like no restaurant in Omaha because all the restaurants here are amazing. So. Um, it's like a bad trip to Subway, like I had this evening at Rosenblatt. It's the Baseball America podcast. there in Clemson, South Carolina, Oklahoma, right now. Clemson's getting four innings away from the catbird seat. Does Clemson have what it takes to win that bracket?
0: I think they do. I mean, I really do. They, they, they have the
1: offense to do it. That's
0: it. And I just, I just love the way they're they're swinging the bats right now. And and you know, to me, the fact that it's not just a couple of three run home runs here and there, the fact that it's it's a lot of singles, but yeah. that means a lot of people are performing. A lot of people are hitting the ball hard. They're squaring it up, and they're just not trying to do too much. They're using the middle of the field, and they're just uh, you know using all kinds of parts of the field. Um,
1: they're, they're squaring up a lot of balls a lot of hard contact. It's fun to say that, but uh, yeah, everyone's contributing. Even, Spen- uh, even their freshman, I forget his first name. Spencer. Spencer. Spencer Kaboom, fun to write, especially fun to tweet. But uh, John Hinson, <clears throat> that guy... Almost as skinny as the North Carolina forward of the same name. Or almost the same name, but thank you. But he's been impressive. <coughs> can Clemson pitch enough, though, Aaron, to win it?
0: That's the question. I think if they stay in the winner's bracket that they can. And I think it hurt Clemson quite a bit today that this game was suspended tonight um, because Scott Wiseman was, was cruising along. I mean, his pitch count was starting to get up there, but he could have given him another inning or two, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, that would have, I think, made a big difference. Um, because uh, their bullpen, as we know, is, a, is an Achilles heel for that team. Um, you know, And I think they need a little bit more out of Wiseman, and he could have given it to them. Now you got to go to the bullpen a little earlier than you, you would have hoped. Um, I, I think that they're, they're still okay because they got some parts to work with there. I think Will Lamb will probably be the guy you'll see. Um, that makes sense. Unless they – I because mean, if, if they win this game, then all of a sudden they are not to play again until Friday. Um you know, you can bring maybe bring Casey Harmon back on three days rest. That's what I imagine they would do. Um, or, you know, you've got other options. But but
1: they're not a team blessed with pitching depth, and yet their pitching depth is going to be taxed even if they go 3-0 and Yeah. just because they're having to play those three games potentially over four days, no matter what. So if they don't have a great bullpen, they're going to have to hold that lead without Wiseman. And you know, their two best players, pitchers are Casey Harmon and Scott Wiseman even though Wiseman is the 5-plus ERA. Now they you know, they do have the option of bringing Alex Frederick back, but you know, let's face it, the guy has a 86-mile-an-hour fastball, and then thankfully for him, he's got a cutter. And he threw three great innings the other day in their first victory. I think they're going to have to lean on him fairly heavily, because after that Super Regional with Alabama, I think we all saw how Tomas Cruz and Kevin Brady, those guys can come with the kerosene out of the bullpen yeah. sometimes. South Carolina, the other team that uh, eliminated Arizona State today, Aaron, and then Oklahoma, both those teams, And you know, it seems like Oklahoma's maybe a little bit more offensive, a little bit more of a chance to, to battle, to use Ray Tanner's word, out of the loser's bracket. Do, do either of those teams have the, I mean, this is just a complete muddle. I mean, what, who's, who's the option pitching-wise now for Oklahoma? Because they went to one of their long guys in, uh, well, they burned two guys tonight in J.R. Robinson. And Jake uh, Mayfield, Jack Mayfield, Jack Mayfield, right? And uh, and obviously Bobby Shores burned for this game. Where do they go in the, for the rest of this game against Clemson?
0: Well, they could go with you know they could bring Jeremy Urban back, uh, but but he pitched uh, he pitched a couple innings, right? A, a couple innings on uh, what day was that? Monday. Hard. I think that was Sunday, <laughs> Sunday? or Monday. No, that Sunday. was Sunday. It was Sunday. Jeez,
1: it's hard to tell with these
0: now, uh, they could bring Urban back. I think you probably see some Urban. They could go with Zach Neal, who would be the guy that they would need to start the next game. Uh, I imagine they could go with uh, you know um, Ryan Duke a little bit, the closer. I mean, yeah, they've got they've got a few options. But uh, um,
1: South Carolina also has a lot of options, but there are really more questions. With yeah. they go with the red shirt senior eighth year man, Jay Brown has been there forever or they go with a left-hander they're talking about going with Tyler Webb is Tyler the Moore. rumor there's,
0: there's some speculation out there that maybe they they go with the lefty Tyler Webb who's who's got a good arm um, you know they could bring back Blake Cooper on short rest I mean he only threw 62 63 pitches the right. other day they
1: could just Johnny Holstaff it, That's what they've yeah. done a
0: lot this year for the most part their Sundays have been Johnny Holstaff uh, because they've rarely gotten more than they've really rarely gotten four full innings out of Jay Brown on Sundays and he's been he's been generally their Sunday guy Uh, ever since that Vanderbilt start that South Carolina loves to say, oh, he was great that day, (laughs) he hasn't really been great since.
1: Yeah, I think it makes more sense for them to try to Johnny it and get Blake Cooper uh, saved up and healthy, not healthy, but rested as much as possible, and then throw him against Clemson if you can beat Oklahoma. Or, of course, Oklahoma could come back on Clemson, we just don't know. That bracket is muddled, but certainly Clemson... Is advantaged right now, but I think Aaron, I think we would both agree, right now the two best teams in Omaha look like UCLA and TCU.
0: I agree 100%. And uh,
1: to me, one of those two teams are going to win the national championship for the first time.
0: I think you're probably right. Although, if TCU has to find its way back through the losers' bracket and is up against, a, you know, a three-and-zero team on either side, maybe that's a little different. But I think even in that case, I mean, I would probably go with TCU.
1: I think TCU has like sixth, seventh, eighth pitchers who could be better than Clemson's top two or three guys. I mean, like Leone, their freshman, is nice, he's solid, but I think the plan at Clemson probably was that he would be a middle a midweek guy this year, yeah. or a relief mm-hmm. guy, and it's, and instead he's their third best starter. So,
0: but that's partly because Jack's kind of riding the hot hand, and I know, like that idea. I, I like it love it that too. about Jack, yeah. and
1: he he mentioned it in the po- in the pregame or the postgame after the first win. And I just think Clemson's being consistent about that. Frederick's going to be their hot hand of the bullpen until he's not, and then someone else will. Yeah. Chris Epps is they're going to ride that hot hand. Hot hand. He's got a .225 average, but. Well that guy has been squaring the ball up here and uh, and he looks good at the top of their lineup and kaboom's another example about that. I'll tell you what,
0: Jack Leggett's won a lot of regionals. Yeah. He's been to Omaha, you know, five, five times, times now. Yeah. I mean, the man can coach and, and one thing that every time you see Clemson in the beginning of the year, it's not the same team you see at the end of the year. Great. Because point. he important. You know, you see him in the beginning A C C play or whatever when they come through the triangle, he's trying out different combinations, he's trying to find the hot hand. And uh, he will ride the hot hand. He, he's not afraid to do it. He's not afraid. You know, maybe he's not going to bench Kyle Parker just because he's going through a slump. But, but he's not afraid to, to move things around. And, hey, Chris Epps seems to be swinging better. We'll put Chris Epps back at the leadoff spot now, you
1: know? The thing that really still concerns me about Clemson is the defense. The left side of their infield is just that uh, John Henson's improved at third base. He's still not great. And right now, Brad Miller's a disaster defensively at shortstop. I mean, yeah. he just dropped the throw from the catcher tonight. It was a rule of stolen base. But, I mean, he just dropped it, you know. I mean, it was kicked away, but he didn't field it cleanly in the first place. That's why yeah, it was no catch. Yeah, that's why it was kicked away. So, he's got 30 yards. It could be 31. And that just really worries me. So, to me, this has a little bit of a feel of 2002. Clemson won its first two games, but did not have great pitching back then either. They were two starters, basically. Mm. Matt Henry and Steve Reba. They had some other guys, but Reba was their number one starter, and they put Henry in their, like, moment of truth guy to their bullpen. And South Carolina was in the same bracket, and South Carolina lost its opener that year and won all the way to the championship game, and that's my prediction for the rest of it is that Clemson will go 2-0, will beat Oklahoma, but I think South Carolina's going to battle its way back and battle, as Ray Tanner loves yeah. to say. I just think South Carolina's got a little mojo going and uh, could get to the ch- title game but uh, then lose to a Texas-style offense. They lost to Texas in 2002. They would lose to UCLA this year, so I'm... My preseason, uh, my pre-series pick of Arizona State is already eliminated, but I did pick UCLA to win the other bracket. And I'm, now I'm jumping on the, I'm I'm clearing space on the John Savage bandwagon, which we constructed back in 1998, and now we're scrambling to get back on it.
0: 1998 or 2008? No, 1998. Back when back he was down. an assistant at Southern California. Oh, right. That's when sure, sure. That's
1: when me and Helen Simpson and Jim Callis started sure. building the John Savage bandwagon. It's. It's been a long time. It's been a bumpy road too, I'll tell you. <laughs> it has been a bumpy. But road.
0: Uh, but here we are, and, and you know John Savage is is boy. He's doing a great job with that team. I mean, you got to hand it to him. Uh, I also have to pick a new bracket uh, two right. winner, and um, I mean, I like Clemson right now, and I like you. I think it's wide open. I don't think South Carolina has enough front line pitching to make a run back through this thing. And they've really got two starters they can count on. Right. The 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 mix-and-match bullpen routine has worked a lot for them this year. I don't, I just don't know if that's going to work here and against this caliber of offenses that they'll be, they're up against.
1: That's the thing. The thing that I don't have a ton of faith in my South Carolina pick, and Clemson's offense looks significantly better. The difference, I guess, is that the South Carolina offense on paper this year was not the South Carolina offense right now with Jackie Bradley Jr. just being yeah. really very difficult to pitch to the home run he hit tonight, uh, or this afternoon, low and away fastball, but he just parked to left center field. I mean, even if the, even if the wind doesn't carry it out, he still hit a pitcher's pitch. Yeah. And it was going to be a gap or at least two or three bases. Right. And he's hitting, uh, he's got, a, what, like a 1,300 ops right now in the, his last uh, 18 games with his 18-game yeah. hitting streak with six homers and 20-plus RBIs.
0: He's an impact player. He's the best player on that on side the of the bracket. and And, I mean, Maybe the best player here right now. He's
1: probably the best position player best here. Best position player, right. The best players here are Garrett Cole, Matt Perk, and Trevor Bauer, probably in that order. I agree. And in my, you could maybe flip Perk and uh, Cole. And I got every time I think about those two guys, Jackie Bradley Jr., Anthony Rendon, Taylor Youngman, I just get excited. I wish we could just start covering draft 2011 right now. Yeah. I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> Let's take some yeah. time off from Draft 2010.
0: And, and I'm going to throw Mike McGee's name out there for best player still alive as well. Sure. Uh, as far as just, just I MVP. Mean, great college, MVP, great college baseball player, does everything. I mean, he's, he's got to be in that mix as well. I'm sticking Tyler Holt in his Stick, red ass. Garrett Bouchelle. You know, I love Garrett Bouchelle. He's got to be in that mix. And his 80 mullet. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Uh,
1: between Garrett Bouchelle and his 80 mullet, the names Kaylee, Caleb Bushyhead and Spencer Kaboom it just it's been a different Cowboys Series, there's no doubt. And uh, yeah. we'll, we'll stop talking about it before I give from about the last year at Rosenblatt Stadium. So, Aaron, enjoy the rest of your stay here. I've enjoyed mine. We'll t- come to you next time on another Baseball America podcast, probably the end of the Cowboys Series. For Aaron, I'm John. We'll see you next time. So long, everybody.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein,